Well, I guess it had been building up for a while. Yeah, it was Friday. Uh, I drafted it and I, I ran it by my partner. He was there right next to me when I uh, tapped that post button. It was, it was just a moment I'll never forget. It was December 1st, 2017, World AIDS Day, when Aaron Christensen Quick made an announcement on Facebook. Three years and 72 days. That's how long it took me to share publicly, here for the first time, that I'm living with HIV. I'm ashamed, not because I'm living with HIV, but because it took me so long to say something publicly. I contributed to the same stigma and shame and silence of being diagnosed with HIV. Disclosing your HIV status for anyone is incredibly brave. But what makes Aaron's announcement so unique is what he does for a living. Aaron studies HIV. You're listening to Rad Scientist. where the scientist becomes the subject. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. When you ask Aaron about his story, you get this answer. Oh boy, uh, oh, that's a, that's a, how long do you have? Um. Aaron grew up in Maryland. His parents split when he was 10, and he lived with his mom who was suffering from mental illness. It got progressively worse by the time uh, I was 16. It was just really an unsustainable situation for me, um, and uh, that's, the reason that I moved with uh, my grandparents, her parents, um, in northern Minnesota. Aaron had come out as gay at his old school, and now he had to do it again. So that was fun. I had to, you know, come out in one high school and then come out all over again in another high school. <laughs> uh. Two years later, Aaron started college at the University of Minnesota, and it was kind of like a revelation for him, being in a big city, meeting other people like him. As cheesy as it sounds he started to find himself. Just really came of age and blossomed there as far as like my identity as a gay person and getting to meet other gay people really for the first time and you know also be this new adult kind of just coming of age there. It's there that he also found his scientific passion. I started being interested in HIV and just because it was such a devious uh, virus that had evaded our, you know, ability to, f to defeat it for so long and that it was still a problem. And I kind of have always had this appreciation for the this constant arms race going on between all the microbes that are in and on us at all times and all around the world that we might encounter throughout our life. And 
the other side of the coin, which is your immune system, which is this brilliant, fascinating, uh, just incredibly in intricate and still now just being really understood for the you know first time. When it came time for his PhD, he headed straight to a mecca of HIV research, the University of Maryland. It was founded by the co-discoverer of HIV, Robert Gallo, and so that whole building is just full of people who have been around since the beginning of discovering HIV as the causative agent of AIDS. And so that was just really inspiring. And there were other good things in store for Aaron at grad school. During my time in grad school, uh, I uh, met, the, met the man of my life, uh, Ryan. But it wasn't all daisies and butterflies. Anyone getting a PhD, including yours truly, will tell you that it can be really grueling at times. Especially at the end of your PhD, it's a hard time. You're not only trying to really crank out a lot of data and do a lot of experiments and try to, you know, tie up all the loose ends from your project and really um, cross all the T's and dot all the I's as far as the questions that have been raised about your project. You're doing all that and, uh, you know, also at the same time, real life is going on too, right? How could someone like me become such an unsavory statistic? The how is complicated, but I can tell you when. Two weeks too late. Aaron's finishing up his thesis. He and his partner are trying to figure out next steps, and there's a good research opportunity for Aaron in San Diego. Too sweet to pass up. We're, we're going through the whole, gosh, we're about to move across the country. So we uh, had kind of started at that point uh, after being together um, for a long time, had you know kind of started opening up our relationship. And that's when Aaron decides he wants to get on PrEP, a daily pill that prevents HIV transmission. The drug, also known as Truvada, had only been on the market for two years, but it was really promising. Unfortunately, not a lot of people knew about it, including providers. You really had to do a lot of digging, and I think in some places you still do have to do some digging and try to really fig find a healthcare provider who knows what it is, knows why uh, it's recommended, and uh, can, can prescribe it to you. You know, this is, again, someone who's working at the Institute of Human Virology, not someone who was lacking in resources or people to ask about these things. Finally, I found a provider. They set up an appointment, but before he could get PrEP, Aaron had to get two HIV tests. An instant test looking for antibodies to the virus with a cheek swab, and a nucleic acid test looking for traces of the actual virus in the blood. You know, went there, got all the tests, they did the instant tests, negative, you know, everything. Okay, we just have to wait for this more super sensitive nucleic acid test, and then I can give you your PrEP prescription. Aaron was waiting for his results. Really long wait, lab took forever, of course. When he gets a call from the physician asking to speak with him. Uh, he sat me down and told me that I'm HIV positive. Well, well, that was a hard day. Um, the physician told him he was likely infected just two weeks earlier. Aaron was devastated. He only told his boyfriend, his boss, and a few close friends. Um, it took me a long time to really talk about 
what happened and you know someone who knows all about HIV and how it transmits and how it spreads and I'm still human um, so it can happen to anyone you know We are going to take a short break. When we get back, we'll pick up Aaron's story to see what happened after his diagnosis. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Because I was diagnosed within weeks of becoming infected and immediately began treatment, which I take every day, I can rest easy knowing that I'm not giving HIV to other people and that I can live a full and healthy life. People who are treated and achieve an undetectable level of virus do not spread HIV. This is a miracle of modern medicine and a privilege that those who came before us did not have. Due to years of scientific research, HIV is no longer a death sentence, not even close. The scientists that came before him have made it possible for Aaron to live a life indistinguishable from any other healthy adult. His daily meds make it so the virus is at an undetectable level and he has no risk of spreading it. But even so, the meds he takes don't totally get rid of the virus. He's always going to be living with it because there are always just a few viruses that evade even the best drugs. And that's why there are still scientists like Aaron researching the disease. Antiretroviral uh, medicines that we, the, that we have are really, really, really good at blunting and completely blocking the virus's ability to replicate and make more of itself. The problem is there are these cells where they're not actually making any virus. It's just hiding out there in our DNA. And uh, those are really an obstacle to a cure because as soon as you stop taking your antiretroviral medicine, those cells that you know, were quiet, they can get woken up pretty easily and start making virus again. And uh, that's really the, the main hurdle uh, to an HIV cure. Why do we need a cure if we can keep the virus at undetectable levels? Well, there are many reasons, and I'll give you one big one. Not everyone has access to HIV meds. They are really expensive, and this especially affects people in developing nations. A cure means that no one, no matter where they live or what treatments they have access to, has to suffer with the stigma or the symptoms of the infection. And a cure might mean finding where the dormant cells live, luring them out of hiding, and sending them to live on a farm upstate, to sleep with the fishes to take a dirt nap. Aaron's research tries to do that. He calls it the kick-kill strategy. That sounds really scary, actually, uh, just saying it, because it's like, what? That doesn't sound like anything medicinal. But in order for 
these quiet latently infected cells to get recognized by our immune system and to get cleared out essentially by some kind of immune therapy or the antiretrovirals that you're on. Um, somehow you have to kind of expose and unmask these infected cells that are just quietly sitting there. It might seem counterintuitive, but think of it like a game of whack-a-mole. They make the latent cells with viruses pop up, then use an antiretroviral mallet to knock them out. And from these pop-up cells, Aaron also reads their RNA and DNA, their genetic bits, to see where the virus has been hiding. It's almost like archaeology. He digs through these genetic sequences for clues of where the cells have been in the body and what makes them different from other cells. Hopefully, this research can be fine-tuned to seek and destroy the virus. And Aaron knows this is important, but it might not happen for a while. This research takes a really long time. In the meantime, Aaron thinks we should be shifting our focus to things that we can do right now to prevent the spread of the disease. I get asked a lot, you know, where's the cure and where's the vaccine and what are you guys doing? You know, I get those kind of questions and I get really frustrated because um, I want people to know that there's already a way out there that you can prevent yourself from getting HIV if you are at risk. And it's just a once-a-day pill with uh, very few and very mild side effects that are very temporary. And it's, uh, it's called PrEP. Uh, some people would call it Truvada. It's more effective than a vaccine or a condom at preventing HIV transmission. So that's already there, and you should know that that exists. It's simple to get caught up in the failure to find a cure for HIV, but it can take away from the successes made in the field like how Aaron can live a totally healthy life now. And even though Aaron is doing research with the aim of curing HIV, he knows that getting the word out about what we've already learned is just as important. You know, there's one more thing I guess I've learned in all of this, is there's really two fronts that we need to think about the HIV epidemic. You know, there's the the scientists who were really digging in and looking down at the nanoscale to, to figure out how to how to solve it from that perspective. But there's also the, you know, equally important public outreach aspect and helping the public understand HIV and their own risk and how it's transmitted and how you can protect yourself and how you can get access to treatment and prevention. You know, that awareness is really going to be a key part of eventually getting down to the point where we don't have any new HIV infections because we've just gone, gone at it from every angle. You know, we've gone at it from the science angle, we've gone at it from preventing mother-to-child transmission and preventing new infections by getting people on PrEP and encouraging people to use condoms and treating people who are HIV positive so that it prevents them from giving HIV to other people. And so you have just this cumulative, when you go at it from all these different angles, then uh, that's, I think, how we're really going to wipe this thing out forever. grateful for Ryan for not letting my HIV diagnosis ruin our love. He's HIV negative because of PrEP and my being undetectable. It took a lot of courage to not run away in fear. Not everyone has a support network for such an emotional event, but for those of you who don't, 
know that you are not unclean, tainted, or damaged, and know that you have an ally in me. HIV spreads because of our fears. HIV depends on people being afraid of getting tested or afraid of their results. Don't be afraid. I'm not anymore. Since Aaron posted his message, he's gotten an outpouring of support. People with HIV and people who know someone with HIV have been reaching out to him for support, too. What's different, if anything, now, like after, like before and after that post? Well, um, you know, in some ways, not a whole lot's changed, but in other ways, it's really just uh, this subtle feeling of freedom that I have. My boss is full of wise quotes that he either came up with himself or I don't know, but one of them, when I told him that I had um, come out uh, with my HIV diagnosis uh, publicly, uh, and then I was telling him about how people reached out to me uh, and you know how good that made me feel. He he said something along the lines of, "When when you're free to be yourself, you give others the power to be their free selves too." And that leads us to our moment of Xenopus, Aaron's favorite place in San Diego, where he feels free to be himself. I am just walking down this cliff to Torrey Pines State Park, also known as Black's Beach here. It's 80 degrees. It's beautiful out. Uh, it's winter, so the sun's a little bit lower than usual, but it just still feels so nice. And get all set up, and I just hear that first crack of that beer. I can lay back in my comfy little beach couch and uh, hang out with just all of the lovely people that I've met in San Diego. Sip my beer and look, look down at La Jolla and all the beautiful weather and just know that life is good. A big thank you to Aaron for sharing your story. Since this interview, Aaron has started a new job at BPS Bioscience, a biotech company in Sorrento Valley working on immune-based therapies for HIV and cancer. Rad Scientist is produced by me, Margot Wall. This episode was written by myself with script edits by Jill Gennaro. Our theme guitar riff is by Grant Fisher, logo by Kyle Fisher, no relation. Music for this episode was by Chris Zabriskie, Ryan Cullinane, and Blue Dot Sessions. At KPBS, Emily Jankowski is technical director, Kenzie Moreland is podcast coordinator, Lisa Jane Morissette is operations manager, and John Decker is director of programming. This programming is made possible in part by the KPBS Explore Local Content Fund. If you like this episode, tell a friend or rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps. Looking for a way to drink beer while learning about science? There are two great opportunities to do so. Nerd Night happens the first week of every month. There's trivia, prizes, and speakers that give presentations on subjects as diverse as Lego construction and insect sex. That's hard to say. And this April, the Taste of Science Festival will be bringing scientists to bars across San Diego to discuss their research. As always, check the show notes to find links to these awesome events. Stay rad.